0: Amen. I hope you have your bulletin. hope you have your Bibles. Turn in your Bibles to Daniel 12. We're finishing up our series on faith in the face of adversity in the book of Daniel as we've been walking through this. If you don't have a Bible, grab that one in front of you, that black book in front of you, uh, behind you, the seat there. It's on page 737 there. We'll be reading from the New Living Translation. I also want you to fill in the outline with us as we look at faithful to the end of time today. I know that as we've been walking through the book of Daniel, there are lots of strange things that happen in the book of Daniel. We've seen uh, these gigantic statues in his dream, Nebuchadnezzar's dream in Daniel 2. We've seen a beast coming out of the sea and and the vision in Daniel 7. We've seen spiritual battles. We've seen all sorts of of things. The first part of Daniel, you know, chapters 1 through 6, just to catch you up, is, uh, is historical. A lot about the the things that are going on in the king's courts. And a lot of history and politics involved in the rising and falling of world nations. And all through that we see that God is in control. The second half is about uh, Daniel's visions and what God is showing him about the future. It's apocalyptic. That means that he is unveiling or revealing a lot about the end. And there's a lot of of weird things. Things in those dreams and visions, just like when you have dreams and visions. This week, uh, I don't often remember my dreams. I don't know if you do. Uh, this week, though, Friday, I remember a dream I had. There was uh, a couple of people. Their name Pat and Susan Robbins. They were at a, at a church and a pastor in Hereford and they were at a gas pump, uh, kind of a big area, kind of like an Olsens or or at Stripes. And one end of that, they were over there, and they it was a Sunday afternoon right after I'd gotten through preaching. And, and they didn't look like they had been to church that day. In fact, um they looked like they had been to the lake or something because Pat didn't have a shirt on and, it, and he's like 70 something and it, it was not a pretty sight. And <clears throat> I just remember some of those details and, and they were filling up with gas and I was, I, on the other end I was filling up at the only empty pump and there was gas spurting out of the pump that I was, I was um, filling up with and it, it was weird. You know what I think it means? I have no idea. It's just kind of weird. I, th- I really think it means that it, as long as you keep showing up at church, you don't end up in a sermon illustration, you know? Good idea, huh? As we, as we think about though, we, we understand some of what Daniel's dreams and visions are all about. We've seen some of those things as they've been unveiled, but there are still some secret things That belong only to the Lord. Deuteronomy 29, 29 tells us that the things revealed belong to us. But there are still a lot of secret things about the end of time. In fact, as we look at Daniel and the fulfilled prophecy there, we've seen a a lot of that has already come true, but there are things that are still future. We really don't have a lot of certainty about. No matter who the biblical commentator is, if you think uh, they know it for sure, if you follow some teaching that knows... All the ins and outs of the end times, then I would run from those folks as fast as I could because they don't know what's going to happen in the end. The best evidence of, of true prophecy, fulfilled prophecy, prophecy comes in hindsight when it when it becomes fulfilled and not in foresight when we think about what it looks like. But God has given it to us so that when we go through things like we've seen Daniel and his people who go through this adversity, this time of trouble, we can look back and say, God was with us through all of that. God was working in all of that. God was working out His plan of redemption for the nations in all of what was taking place. Isn't that a comforting word this morning? To think about? That God is... Is working out his plan in, in your lives and in, in my life and in, in our, our nation, in our world. And we don't always understand what's going on around us, especially in these days. But we know that God continues to work and to move, and we trust him as believers. That he's got us in his hand. That he's sovereign. He's in control. He's in charge. And we know as his people that he's working those things together for good. Not for everybody, not for everybody in the world. We'll look at that some today, but for those who are called according to his purpose and those who love him. So if you're in that bunch, just know God's going to work it out together for good, whatever you're going through in the midst of this season in in your life. And so Uh, as we look at this passage of Scripture today, think about that and think about how God has revealed His truth to, to us in other Scriptures. John writes in 1 John, on your bulletin, on that outline, these words in 1 John 3, 2, Dear friends, we are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet been revealed. We know that when He appears at the end, we will be like Him because we will see Him as He is. Would you think about that with me for just a moment? One day you're going to be like Jesus. Perfectly like Jesus. Not going to happen on this side of eternity, but it is if you're a believer on the other side. I can't even begin to wrap my mind about what that's going to look like, how that's going to be. But I believe that one day I'm going to be made perfect. And everybody I love that knows Jesus is going to be perfect too. And so we want to be about the business in this life, right here and right now, of becoming more and more ready and more and more like Him and pursuing holiness and righteousness and faithfulness Now, that's what we look at in the 12th chapter of the book of Daniel. How can we become more and more uh, like Jesus? Then when we we look at this passage, we know there's a context. Last time we looked at Daniel 10, obviously Daniel 11 is between Daniel 10 and 12, what we're going to look at primarily today. Daniel Daniel 11 is a lot of details about prophecy, most of which has already been fulfilled. And we're not going to go over the history of, of a lot of that. 45 verses there, we can't cover in this brief time. I just want you to know that God's working through all of that. He's working through Alexander the Great and the Greeks, and He's working through those four generals who take over for Him. And then He's working through a guy named, we, we looked at in chapter 8, a guy named Antiochus Epiphany, who is kind of a forerunner of the Antichrist. Then about verse 36 of chapter 11 in Daniel, we see the Antichrist appear and that guy, that's the context of what Daniel is going to say in chapter 12. And at the end of chapter 11, it says this about the Antichrist. While he is there, his time, and this is really what most folks believe is the battle of Armageddon, the end of time. And while he's there, his time will suddenly run out. That guy that hates Christ, stands up against him, trying to draw everybody away from him. His time will suddenly run out, and no one will help him. You know what that means, don't you? Christ and the Antichrist have this battle when Christ returns, and Christ wins. And those who are with Christ win. His time runs out, and there's no one to help him. And that's the context of what we're going to read and what we're going to look at today, Daniel 12, would you stand in honor the reading of God's Holy Word? At that time, at the end of time, Michael, the archangel, who stands guard over your nation, will arise. And then there will be a time of anguish, greater than any since nations first came into existence. But at that time, every one of your people whose name is written in the book will be rescued. Many of those whose bodies lie dead and buried will rise, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting disgrace. And those who are wise will shine as bright as the sky. And those who lead many to righteousness will shine like the stars forever. But you, Daniel, keep this prophecy a secret. Seal up the book until the time of the end, when many will rush here and there and knowledge will increase. And then I, Daniel, looked and saw two others standing on opposite banks of the river. This is the Tigris River. One of them asked the man dressed in linen, remember that's the pre, what we think, I think, is the pre-incarnate Jesus, or an angel at least to represent him who was now standing above The river, that's why I think it's Jesus. He was standing above the river. Now, I don't know if that means he's levitating above the river or that he's walking on the water. I think it means he's walking on the water. And we know who walks on the water, don't we? So Jesus is there in the pre-incarnate form, the Christophany, I I believe. How, How long will it be until these shocking events are over? And the man dressed in linen who was standing above the river, raised both his hands toward heaven and took a solemn oath by the one who lives forever, saying, It will go on for a time, times and half a time. And when the shattering of the holy people has finally come to an end, all these things will have happened. And I heard what he said, but I did not understand what he meant. So I ask, How will all this finally end, my Lord? But he said, go now, Daniel. For what I've said is kept secret, sealed until the time of the end. Many will be purified, cleansed, and sealed until the time of the end. And many will, or, and many will be purified, cleansed, and, and sealed, refined by these trials. But the wicked will continue in their wickedness. And none of them will understand. Only those who are wise will know what it means. And from the time the daily sacrifice is stopped and the sacrilegious object that causes desecration is set up to be worshipped, there will be 1290 days and blessed are those who wait and remain until the end of the 1335 days. And as you go, go your way until the end. You will rest. And then at the end of the days, you will rise again to receive the inheritance set aside for you may god bless the reading hearing doing and sharing of his word you may be seated if you look at your your watch there's a period of time that we're just going to go through this real quick and as we think about all that's that's contained here we can't cover every aspect of it, but there are some things I do want us to see. And I want us to begin with verse 13. If you follow along there, I want us to begin in the end because what it tells us there about Daniel is this. Remember Daniel, he's probably in his mid-80s to 90s, early 90s at this point in his life. He has been faithful to God. 70 years of exile. Most of what we see and what we know about Daniel himself is found in the book of Daniel. He comes into exile into the land of of Babylon as a teenager, and now he is at that point in time when he's serving under Cyrus. Seventy years later, the exiles are headed back toward Jerusalem, and now he's at mid-80s, 90s, and all the time as a young person, young man, older man, and now an old man. He's been faithful. Daniel's been asking questions all along. About these visions, he wants to know what God is going to do with his people, and all along God is answered to a certain degree and here the pre-incarnate Christ gives him some answers as as he tells him that and this is the first part of twelve is, is Jesus himself speaking, telling him some answers to these questions, but there's some things that he doesn't know, and there's some things that he doesn't reveal to Daniel here. But what he does say at the end is, Daniel, as long as you've got life, till the very end of your life, if you'll be faithful, then you'll be rewarded at the end of time until the end of eternity. Do you see that? That as we think about what it means to, to look toward the future and how it's all going to end. We can't be so heavenly-minded, so in-focused that we lose sight of the here and now, so heavenly-focused that we're of no earthly good, that God's got a plan for us to be involved in right here on earth, right now. And what we've been working toward in that is the opportunities that He's given us to reach people in our sphere of influence, in our oikos. And so what He's... Saying to Daniel, he says to us, "Is says, well, you just be faithful. Faithful to your duty now to love God and love people. Make disciples. Make sure you're doing what I've called you to do in the here and the now. Sometimes we get so focused on the future and prophecy in the church world, in Christianity, that we forget. God's got that taken care of. So here, I, I want to cover the last little section about what these 1,290 days and 1,335 days mean. In, as as I've studied this and, and I, as I've seen this, what I believe this means, I want you to know what God has revealed to me right now so I've got the answer to when all this is going to happen. Here it is. Come in a little closer. I don't know. <laughs> You hear me? And it matters. But it's going to matter as those days draw closer and all of this will be revealed more. Well, no. You don't have to live in fear of the future. You You don't have to live in fear when Jesus comes back. You can live excited that Jesus, our Lord, our Savior, the one who saved us by His grace, is coming back for you. So as we look at this, how we prepare, how we pursue faithfulness, let's look at some of these things. Verse 1, I want you to see here, the first thing we, we can look toward is that we can be comforted by God's protection and rescue. You see what's going on here, don't you? In verse 1, Michael shows up. He's the archangel. Now Michael, every time we see Michael, Jude 9 tells us he, he fights the devil, Satan himself, hand to hand kind of combat. He, he is the, the Jack Bauer, the John Wayne, the Rambo, whatever, uh, you are, I don't know, Jason born, whatever generation you're, he is the bad as in good kind of angel. He's the guy you want on your side. And what the scripture tells us about angels themselves is that they have come to minister to us to, to bear witness to what God wants us to know, but they also come and help. Angels help Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Angels help Jesus in the wilderness as He's tempted by Satan. We know that God has protection for those who belong to Him. He's also got rescue. I know God's got protection because I'm a really bad driver. I know that personally. If you've ever seen me... You know, I don't, wear, I don't have that little sticker on the back of my car that says, In God we trust. I don't have that little sticker, that little fish sign, because I don't want to give Jesus a bad name. I'm a bad drunk. God has protected me more than once on the road. I know there are angels watching over me. Watch over His people. Michael's watching over the nation of Israel, God's people. But I also know there's another thing that comforts me. God came to rescue us. Jesus came. Remember at the end of chapter 10, the angel or the pre-incarnate Christ says, Do you know I've come? And we talked about that a little bit. His whole mission was a rescue mission. He came to seek and to save those who are lost. He came to give His life as a ransom for many. He came to serve and not be served. He came to give us life and give it to us more abundantly. He came to rescue us. And who are us? It's the people whose names are written in the book. Remember the book from chapter 7. I don't know if you remember, but the book as I see it here, is the book of life. It's the same book. And by the way, Revelation is the best commentary on Daniel. It's the book mentioned in Revelation 20. And as we think about the book, we know that we have um, special privilege because we are God's people. Protection, but more than that, deliverance. You you remember when Jesus sends out the 70 in Luke 10? And they come back and they're so excited that the demons submitted to their power that Jesus had given them. And Jesus says this in Luke 10, 20, on your screen, but don't rejoice because evil spirits obey you, but rejoice. Why? Because your names are registered in the book in heaven. Because your names are written in the Lamb's Book of life. You know, the thing that gives me confidence in these days is that my, my name is written in that book. So you got to ask yourself, is your name written in that book? We talked about that in chapter 7, but we also talk about it today because I know some and I got some of you to thinking. How do you get your name written in the book of life? You get your name written in the book by trusting Christ because that's what the book of life is all about. It's about those who have put their faith in Jesus Christ As their Lord and their Savior. It's not about people who have walked the aisle and had their name on the church roll. It's not about people who have been baptized. It's about people who have an honest relationship, an authentic relationship with Jesus who have trusted them for the forgiveness, trusted Him for the forgiveness of their sin, trusted Him to guide and lead, and trusted them to save their souls. You admit to Jesus you need Him, you believe. He died on the cross for your forgiveness and a relationship uh, with you. And you choose this day, you can if you never have, to follow Him. That's how your name gets written in the book. And as we pursue faithfulness, we've got to start there, don't we? We've got to make sure we have a relationship with Jesus because the Spirit of God lives in us and He's the one that gives us the power. To pursue His life, His ways. He's the one that gives us the power to pursue holiness and righteousness. And we cannot do it on our own. So make sure, this day, your name's in there. And as we look forward there, we know that if we, we've been born again, that's what it means to have our name written in the book, and we've been born Twice that we only die once. But if we've only been born once, then we're going to die twice because there's no guarantee that you're going to experience the protection and and the provision and the rescue of God without your name being written in the book. Look what Revelation says about it. And anyone whose name was not found recorded in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. You know what that is? It's hell. Hell is not a fun place where everybody's partying all the time, where everybody's smiling and giggling and laughing and tipsy. Hell is a place of eternal torment and separation and darkness prepared for Satan and his demons. And I don't want anybody in this place. And you ought to not want anybody in your life, in your oikos, to go to hell. But people without Jesus end up in hell, not because God sends them there, but because their sin sends them there. They choose hell. There's no guarantee until you put your faith in Jesus Christ and trust His grace to save you. But when you do, As He promises. And we look forward to what we look forward to. Look at verse 2. Here's the hope we have. It's the hope in the resurrection. You see what He says there? Whose bodies lie dead and buried. And, And many of those whose bodies lie dead and buried will rise up. Some to eternal everlasting life. And some to shame and everlasting Disgrace. He's talking about what's going to take place in Jesus first, the resurrection, and then what's going to take place in the church. All those who are in the dust or who are dead will be raised. And some, at that time, if you know Jesus and your name is in the book, will go to everlasting life, will get to go to heaven. And those who are not, whose names are not in the book are raised to die again. A second death, Revelation talks about. That's the place of hell. Everlasting shame and disgrace. And so as we think about uh, pursuing faithfulness in this day, we put our hope and our faith in the resurrection because He rose, we can rise. See, our faith as Christians, all based upon the fact that everything Jesus said and did was confirmed in whipping death through the resurrection. He came back to life. If he can whip death, I'm following him, aren't you? I don't know about you. I've said it many times before, but I'm following the guy who comes back to life from the grave. That's Jesus. I'm going to do what He says. I'm going to do what He calls me to do. I, I'm going to do and live the way He's called me to live. Because my hope is in that resurrection. My hope is that when I'm resurrected in the body, and by the way, it's not just a reconstruction. It's a it's a new and glorious body. That is great news to me. Some people ask me about... Uh, Cremation is—is is that okay for a Christian? Absolutely, God can put those ashes back if He wants to do that together. It, it doesn't matter because I think, I think it's going to be not just a reconstruction of this body. This body was not made for eternity. This body is a, a mere mortal. I know you think this body, this body I've got it. it I mean, it, <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you don't think that? I understand. The good news is I'm going to get a new and glorious body. And the connection to the old body and the new body is like the seed to the mature plant. There is a connection. There is a continuity, but there's not an identity. The seed, the old body that's going to be buried one day and go back to dust, that all happens before Christ comes again. Is going to rise to a new body, a beautiful, I don't know, flower, tree, resurrected body. Can you imagine? That's the hope we have as we pursue holiness and righteousness in this life, as we put our hope in the resurrection. The third thing I want you to see is from verse 3. So what we do now is we live wisely and we also point people to Jesus. Look at verse 3. Those who are wise, and there's an indication there that those are, during this time, and by the way, this the whole context here is this time of tribulation that takes place at the end of time, probably a period of seven years, best we can tell, when Christ returns and and all the tribulation, all the trouble, the worst time ever, it says, a time of anguish greater than any nations uh, ever experienced. During that difficult time when some people believe Christians are going to be raptured out of that time. Well, I, I hope that's true. I hope we can miss all of that. But I don't know if God is going to save us from it or God is going to save us through it. I really don't know. I can't discern when that troubled time comes. But here's what I do know. In the meantime... Verse 3 tells us what we're to do is live wise, and when we do, we'll be rewarded. So we we can live as rescued people in verse 1. We can live as resurrected people in verse 2, but we can also live as rewarded people in verse 3. Those who are wise will shine as bright as the sky, and those who lead many to righteousness will shine like the stars forever. You hear that word? We don't just come and soak it all in and never do anything with it. We come to prepare for our mission in this world. To live wise and and to help people. Help people toward righteousness right living. Those who lead many to righteousness will be rewarded. Daniel is so concerned about his people. Are you concerned about yours? You think about the folks in your sphere. Do you encourage them in their difficult times, in their times of adversity, their times of discouragement, their times of depression? Do you encourage them to trust Jesus. Whether they're believers or unbelievers, first they've got to put their faith in Him to experience all that He has for them. But even as believers, sometimes we get discouraged. Do you encourage folks? Do you lead them toward the right way of living? It says, if you do, you get to be an all-star for Jesus. You'll shine like the stars. I don't know what all that means. But I know in the end, Daniel experienced this inheritance. Now, could you imagine this for just a moment? You've sought uh, your genealogy. And in in your genealogy, you find that there was a a Bezos there, B-E-Z-O-S. And and you find that there's a Gates there. And and you you find that there's a Buffet in your genealogy and your ancestry. And that you are heir. To the fortune of those billionaires, Jeff Bezos, and Bill Gates, Warren Buffett. Could you imagine what that would be like to inherit not millions, but billions? Most of us would settle for millions, wouldn't we? Could you imagine? But then imagine you have no one to share that with. You have no causes to help with, with all of those riches. What we see our inheritance as Christians is better than any physical, monetary inheritance we can gain. It's the simple, well-done, good and faithful servant that might come from the Lord. It's the simple things that we know that we have pleased a Heavenly Father and that for all eternity that we've got special responsibilities in Heaven that we experience. Now... Don't get me wrong, everybody who makes it to heaven, everybody whose name is written in the book of life, everybody's cup is going to be full. But I do believe some of those cups are bigger than others as we get to that place. And God is going to help us experience all that He created for us for all of eternity as we're faithful. To him and and we live wisely now and we point other people to Jesus. The fourth thing I want you to see uh, comes from verse four as we continue to look at this. There's a phrase at the end of verse four. Daniel says is told to keep this all secret and as much secret is, is he's to keep it secure so that people in the end who start to look for answers at the end of time will see it and knowledge their knowledge will increase. So. The fourth thing is grow in our understanding of God's Word. You grow in your knowledge of God's Word, not so that your head can be puffed up, but so that your heart can be enlarged. The more I know about Jesus, the more profound He is, the more wonderful He is the more amazing He is. That's why we're going to dive into into God's Word. That's why I'm issuing to you this challenge. To read through the New Testament. It starts tomorrow, by the way. Seventy days, just reading through the New Testament. Five days a week. Monday through Friday, if that's how your schedule works. And Grab one of those cards in front of you and just start. As a church, we're just going to walk through the New Testament so that not... We not just know, but so that our hearts will grow. We'll grow in the grace and knowledge. See, the scripture talks about knowledge this way. We don't know something until we know it intimately. It says, Adam knew Eve. And it, it conjures up this whole idea of an intimate relationship. And Eve conceived a son from that knowledge of one another. So when we know, we grow in our, our knowledge of the Lord. We're growing in intimacy with Him. And how do we know more about Him except through His Word? That's the clearest revelation He's given us. that I encourage you to do this challenge with us. Now, the last thing I want you to see is as we pursue faithfulness in the meantime, if we can trust God's timing, I don't know how it's all going to end. I don't know when it's all going to end. I know Daniel had these questions. I know even the angel here had a question of the pre-incarnate Christ. When's all this going to happen? And that might be your question, but but here's what I, I've experienced in life, and I hope you have as well. The, the timing is everything. Is it not? Whether you're in, in business or, or in the, the stock market or whether you're pursuing a mate... A spouse, young people, timing is everything. We think about jobs that came open to us at just the right time. Timing is everything. And timing for us, the best timing is when the truth of the Word of God intersects our soft heart so that we respond to Him. I don't know, and Daniel didn't know or understand all that was going to go on in the end. He's a lot more righteous dude than I am, and he didn't know. But here's what I do know, is that when we respond, when the Spirit of God stirs us, and we do what He's calling us to do, we experience salvation. Redemption. Growth. We become all of who God wants us to be. Now here's what I I leave you with. Is it time? Is it time for you to make sure your name is written in the book of life? Is it time for you to not just know what to do but to do it? And to see what Things you can share with other folks from this passage of Scripture? Is it time for you, as you walk through this Scripture challenge these next few months, to consider, where am I off? Where can God's Word correct my course? Is that time? How will you respond? Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this study through Daniel, but Father, it's been of no use if, if we're not different. If we're not excited and anticipating and glad about the end, when we'll rule and reign with you as your people. If we're doubtful as to whether we're part of your kingdom or your family. If we, if we don't share with folks that you've placed in our spheres. Father, help us in these moments to respond to what your Spirit is calling us. Father, I pray for the person in this place who doesn't know for sure if their name is in your book. I pray they admit they need you. Believe that you died for them on the cross. Choose to follow you this day. Lord, I pray for the Christian in this place who's known that maybe for some years never cared to share it with anyone. Lord, we know that good news is for sharing. So help us, Lord. Identify people. Pray for people. Invest in people and invite people to hear. Share it with me. Prepare to share with me. Father, I pray as you gather your people together and in time that we'll think about how you'll gather your people together even now to be on mission with you. What that'll look like as we go into the schools, and as we go into the community and do the workplaces that we frequent every week and, and are light and salt that you've called us to be. For this dark, decaying world. Use this time, Lord, to help us respond to you. In your name we pray. Amen. Would you stand as we sing a hymn of invitation. I surrender all. Would you respond to God as he leads you
1: right now. Oh, to Jesus I surrender all.